Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Irish on Tap, a podcast about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish presented to you by the ONTAP Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian Mishler and Ethan Wiles, and we are going to break down the pit game that is slated for this Saturday at 2.30 Central Time, 3.30 Eastern Time. We got the ABC slot this week, boys. But first and foremost, let me check in with my co-host, and then we'll get into it. I'm doing good, Brandon. Irish got a W last weekend, so they're they're doing good. It wasn't pretty, but we're on to the next one, and we're just looking forward to the pit game this weekend. Yeah, we're officially over the ugly win. We're on to pit uh, two weeks till Clemson. It's time to get it right this week. Yeah, and when I went back and listened to the last episode, I love the way that you closed it. You know, I didn't even listen to my own rule. You know, we got the 24-hour rule. You're after a loss, and you're on to the next opponent. So that is, that is what it is for the Irish Pitt comes into this game, and like I said, you know, before we started recording, they have lost three consecutive games after winning their first two. So they beat Syracuse and they beat Louisville. So not necessarily the best wins, but those losses came against NC State, Boston College, and Miami. And I know one of them, I think it was the NC State game, was a heartbreaker that they had a missed extra point on. So this is a team that's in a very similar situation to what Louisville was in last week. They're a team that is under their expectations and they've actually played six games already they're three and three so i mean they are far along in their season they have a quality quarterback in kenny pickett but he did not play last week and they only lost to miami by 12 points and you know thinking about that grand scheme of things what they ended up having to do was they put freshman quarterback joey yellen in he ended up with 296 yards and a touchdown but from a you know completion percentage day and a rating day it wasn't the best day for him so kind of a similar situation i know we put the you know the episode out earlier in the week so we won't know until later in the week whether or not Pickett will be available for this week but the difference in quarterbacks will severely change Pitt's attack for this game. Yeah, I agree. He's a, he's a great QB that could change everything if he ends up being available. But I wanted to touch on about what you said, Brandon, about Pitt's record. It's like, it's like Louisville, exactly what you said. They're a hell of a lot better than the record indicates. I mean, they just played Miami pretty damn well, only lost by 12. And two of their losses against Boston College and NC State are by a combined two points. So, I mean, they were in both games and probably should have won both games. So this is a team that if Notre Dame plays like they did against Louisville, they will lose. Pitt is pretty good, and they seem to always play Notre Dame tough. It's going to be a grinded-out game, and Notre Dame better bring it. And I'm actually glad they got a scare against Louisville as they did, because they'll come ready to play, and they're going to need it, because Pitt's a lot better than they probably think they are, and they're going to have their hands full on Saturday, in my opinion. So one crazy thing that I got looking just at the numbers from their scores and point differential, and I am not a math guy. Shout out to our guy, Brian Mishler, who I actually did not congratulate on getting his CPA this week. So the guy's doing big things, but I'm more of like a math 101 guy. I know Ethan's rocking with me. I looked at their point differential. They're three and three on the year and they are at an even zero. So they have won by a total of 14 points and they have lost by a total of 14 points. They played six games. So that's, that's kind of a funky stat to uh, look at, but this is a team that, you know, in the first two games of the season with Corona and with everything that's happening right now, they were only able to put up 20 points a game, but the last three games or two out of the last three games, they got up to 29 and 30. And then that Miami game, you know, I wanted to see Pitt win that just because we love seeing the U fumble it when everyone thinks they're going to be back. But 
you know, without your starting quarterback in that game, you're really, really handicapped. But go ahead, Ethan. I know I cut you off. No, yeah, you're good. I mean, Pickett's a great quarterback, I think. I got to agree with Brian as well. I think that Notre Dame suffering that ugly win against Louisville kind of helps them going into this game. We've talked about Pitt being a tough team on their opponent or on their schedule rather for weeks now. And I, like I said, I agree with Brian 100%. I think that that game on Saturday was much needed for this team. It was an eye opener. They got to do well against Pitt on the road this week. We always know what Pitt can do. It's always a challenge on the road, and we got to get our jobs done this week. Pickett's a great quarterback, like I mentioned, 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns on the year, but overall, this defense is just too good. Yeah, and before he went down, I know he was at or near the top in yardage for the season, but one thing, uh, we're going to plug a couple things right here. So Brian put out an absolute banger of an article, kind of the state of the Notre Dame offense that can be found at ONTAP Sportsnet. And then Ethan also put out an article, and it's more or less a news article, but Jameer Smith has decided to leave the program with the intent of retiring from football. So we wish nothing but the best to Jameer Smith, and I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. I mean, it wasn't surprising at all. I don't think Jameer Smith was going to get any playing time for not only this season, but the near future because of the emergence of Kyron Williams, who is a, a sophomore only, and obviously Chris Tyree is a freshman. So both of them being underclassmen, this backfield set for a while. It is surprising that he's kind of retiring from football, though. I mean, maybe he suffered an injury. I mean, I don't know. We, we can't really speculate. We don't have a damn clue. But, I mean, from a football's perspective, that didn't surprise me because the backfield's set for years to come right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's three guys in there with the two guys Brian mentioned and then Jafar Armstrong as well. So, you know, I mean, you're looking at the fourth slot on that depth chart at a prestigious school like Notre Dame where, you know, obviously the playing time is, is like I said, very valuable. So, it's tough to see him go, but, you know, the personal choices are the personal choices at this point. And, uh, you know, we wish him nothing but the best going forward. Yeah, and another thing to keep and you know, something that Irish fans should keep in the back of their pocket is when Sebo Flemister got his shot, he ran for 100 himself. So, I mean, with the backs that we currently have, that is the room on that offense that you should be the least worried about. Um, one thing that we've all kind of been hammering home and, you know, we've put in articles, we've talked about it on the podcast is just like, we really need the evolution of this receiver, you know, core. And it's not so much on the receivers themselves because you can only catch the ball when it's thrown to you. But in a game like this, especially if we get Pickett on Saturday, that's a, that's a game that could be a shootout. Pitt does give up uh, let me check. They give up about 400 yards a game, and they are giving up only 20 points per game. So their games are a little bit lower scoring. But like Brian has stated, this is a Notre Dame team that does have speed on the edges and in the backfield that are home run hitters on any given play. I agree. But I also, like, we have a lot of guys with really good speed. Most of it, I think, is in the backfield with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. We obviously got... Um, Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay that are deep threats for on in the wide receiving core. But I, I just I don't think that really I touched on the, this in the article that I wrote. I don't really think that plays into Ian Book's strengths because he's never shown the ability to accurately hit guys in stride downfield. Like that's why I think they have to get really creative in order to use Braden Lindsay's explosiveness on the outside because I just I don't like Ian Book's never going to be the QB that's going to be throwing 60 yard bombs to uh, Lindsey downfield like like Trevor Lawrence can. He's just not that guy. So that I 
I'm really worried about them being able to score enough points to win an AC title to to beat Clemson one out of the two times. I just think that's something that, I, as of what I saw against Louisville, I know it was a really windy day and it's just one game, but I'm just really concerned on their, their ability to score points at a high frequent pace and to keep up with the likes of Clemson. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I agree too. And I think this is a perfect matchup for it. Pitt comes in letting up 61 and a half rushing yards this season. Like that's huge numbers for this Pitt defense going into this game against an offense that primarily runs the ball. Ian Book's got to figure out how to pass the ball well this week. Pitt allows 213 yards through the air. That's going to be something that Notre Dame will look at this week break down and film and figure out how to open up this passing game a little bit more because if Pitt's defense continues to play the way they have been, Kyron Williams isn't going to be productive. Chris Tyree isn't going to be productive. If it comes down to the hands of Ian Book to win this game on Saturday, he's going to need to do it. He's going to have to figure out a way to get past what he's done so far this season and finally give us that breakout game that we've been asking for. Yeah, and I think it's kind of similar to what we see with the Bears. The play calling is, you know, they definitely play call to their strengths, But in a conference where we've talked about the scores, you know, finishing with totals of like 50, 60, 70 points. I mean, Clemson scored 73 by themselves on Saturday. So like we've stated, like Brian, like two minutes ago, you know, this is an offense that really needs to find their rhythm. And whether it's running the ball a thousand times or, you know, finding a way to get that pass game integrated into the offense, they need to be able to put up 35 or 42 points on any given Saturday. So the current state of the offense with the outlier game being the South Florida game, and again, that's a group of five schools, so you would expect Notre Dame to put up a lot of points against them. We really want to see them kind of turn the page because, again, as we all know, this is our only year that we'll ever be in a conference. So what other way to go about it than to either be in the conference title game or to win the conference outright? And the way we're playing on offense, like you said, Brian, that is looking a little bit more bleak. Yeah, I mean, going another point that I wanted to hit home in my last point speaking was that I, I think they need either Ben Skoranek, Kevin Austin, or Javon McKinley. They need one of those three guys to emerge as their go-to possession receiver because in the last two years obviously we've had not only Cole Komet down in the middle but we've had Miles Boykin chase Claypool as that go-to guy on the outside that wasn't just a speed threat and I think that's kind of what Braden Lindsay is I don't think Braden Lindsay is a guy that you can rely on to throw to 10 times a game just because he's not that big body type of guy that can just he can, he only uses his feet to get open rather than his body so I think they need Ben Skoranek or McKinley, and especially Kevin Austin, I think he's the one guy in the wide receiving corp that can blossom into that just like freak athlete on the outside type of guy. Javon McKinley has shown flashes, but he's also, I mean, he dropped a lot of balls against Louisville that should have been caught, which is a pretty concerning trend for him. He's shown a little bit of bad hands so far throughout this season. It's still early. He can pick it up, but that's concerning for me. And I just, I I mean, yes, it was a windy day, like I said, and they did score 42 points against Florida State, who, I mean, beat North Carolina. So this could be an overreaction, but I think what you, that stat you brought up, Ethan, about them 
they gave up a lot of yard or Pitt gives up a lot of yards through the air and not so much on the ground. I did not know that. So that's very interesting going into this game to see if Notre Dame just tries to outwill them on the ground and use that that behemoth offensive line that we've had, or if Notre Dame gets shut down on the run game and has to rely on Ian Book and those receivers. Cause I just I thought Ian Book actually did a decent job of keeping his eyes downfield against Louisville. I didn't think he had happy feet all that too often, but he, I mean, the, his receivers were just not getting open. And if they're not going to do it against Louisville, they're not going to do it against better teams. And that's just concerning. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out against Pitt this weekend. Yeah. I touched on that on the post game podcast as well. Just how, yeah, of course, everyone's social media aspect wise and, and just going through Twitter and going through Facebook after the game and just how much hate is going on Ian book. Like yeah, it's no much. one, yeah, I mean, obviously he's he has not performed the way we had hoped. He's not a Trevor Lawrence. We've known that going into it. I don't think we expected him to be a Trevor Lawrence. I for sure didn't, and I'm the biggest Ian Book guy out of the three of us. So it's tough when he isn't out there producing what we expect him to produce, but the receiving core is not what we've had, like Brian talked about. Uh, I pulled up the depth chart for this week. It appears that the six receivers that are on the depth chart are Javon McKinley or Kevin Austin, Brayden Lindsey, Ben Skoranek, Avery Davis, and Joe Wilkins. Those are the six listed receivers on the depth chart this week. So it'll be interesting to see which one of those steps up. Obviously, McKinley's kind of the hope. We just need Brayden Lindsey to find something, find something, find a way to get him active. Um, and those guys, like Joe Wilkins, he stepped up. He's He's been a big name so far for this year. He's another guy that needs to step up and make plays this weekend. Yeah, I want to, before you jump in, Brandon, I want to say that Brian Kelly said that on the offensive end that Joe Wilkins needs to play more. And I think that with Brent Skoranek's recent injuries, with Kevin Austin and Javon McKinley showing flashes but not being that true guy, I think Joe Wilkins is definitely going to get a shot the next two weeks. And if he performs, he could end up being the starting one of the starting wideouts. Yeah, and a couple things. You know, we did record Saturday right after the game. So that was before uh, Florida State put the beat down on North Carolina, which I think I don't think anyone in the world except for, like, pure Florida State fans would have said that they were going to beat North Carolina. But something that Brian has talked about on the pod is – North Carolina has really just kind of squeezed by in these really weird high-scoring games where it's almost similar to NBA basketball. Teams are scoring like like North Carolina will score 21, then Virginia Tech will score 21. And like it's real like uh, seesaw-type games is the word I was looking for. I don't know why my brain wasn't working, but seesaw-type games. So for them to go out, and I think they were down like, 28 to 3 or 20 I don't know what the score was at the half it was like pretty much a round at half they had a very you know late drive where Sam Howell tried to get them in position to either win the game or tie it and they just didn't have enough and I mean when you're behind by three four possessions in the first half it's very hard regardless of who you're playing to go out and beat that team and one thing I just want to thank the football gods is that Florida State team I'm glad they didn't show up like that in South Bend yeah, I agree. I didn't watch the game, but they had to have come out with a different sense of purpose. I mean, that's kind of what Florida State has been the last 
three or four years ever since Jameis went, or ever since Jimbo Fisher left. That's what started the tailspin for them. They have a lot of talent. They just lack a culture. They don't have a winning culture. And if they just put that together, they can do things like beat number five North Carolina. And that's obviously what they did. And I agree. I, I think I was on record at the beginning of the year saying, I, I think North Carolina is like one, maybe two years away from actually being legit. Because most of their noise they've made in the in college football for Mac Brown is on the recruiting trail and you need a couple years for that recruiting talent to hit the field. So, I mean, Notre Dame's that's still a tough game that Notre Dame has to play well to win, but I just don't, they're not up to, they shouldn't be up to um, Notre Dame's level right now. And they're hell, They're not up to Clemson's level right now. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And you hope by that time in the schedule too, I mean, that's, I think maybe two weeks. Yeah. That's two weeks after Clemson. So, Especially at that point of the year, like that could be a big matchup. I mean, if Notre Dame doesn't turn around what they've been playing like, they're not going to beat Clemson. So, at that point, if in that situation or in that scenario, rather, that North Carolina game comes in huge. It's a road game. It would be a must-win for Notre Dame to keep their playoff hopes alive. So, North Carolina, I think, is still a team to keep your eye on throughout the season up until that game at the end of the year. Yeah, and I'm glad we go in kind of a rotation and you took the words right out of my mouth. I really don't see this team beating Clemson. So that North Carolina game essentially becomes an elimination game because remember, this year the ACC is not in, you know, sub-conferences or East-West or however they had it before. Uh, We don't know. We were never a part of it. So this year it is top two winning percentages. So head-to-head is going to matter. Like we've stated on the podcast, we don't play Miami this year. That would be another toss-up game. But as long as Notre Dame can win the games that they're supposed to win and go into that North Carolina game as somewhat of a de facto semifinal for the ACC final, I can be happy with where we're at on the season. But they got to win that one. Otherwise, you know, we'll be playing in the fucking whatever bowl. What was it last year? The Camping World Bowl? Should have yeah. been the should have been the Orange Bowl, Florida routed Virginia, and if all this would have happened last year, would have been the Orange Bowl. So I mean, it is what it is, but we need to prevent that at all costs. We want New Year's New Year's Six college football playoff or bust this season. Yeah, I agree, and I wanted to touch on you guys have stated your concerns about losing to Clemson. I mean, I'm obviously on that train as well. I do think we can fall into the overreaction type of deal because I mean it was a very windy day and maybe just Notre Dame just didn't have their best I mean that happens all the time in college football but after Florida State beat North Carolina it started making me thinking that maybe Notre Dame is closer than we think but the only thing that really scares the shit out of me against Clemson is they're going to I mean they don't have the defense this year as they did in 2018 I mean that was one of the better defenses in the last 20 years in college football but what I'm scared they're going to do is the exact same damn thing they did in 2018. They're just going to load the box, make sure Notre Dame doesn't run the football, and force Ian Book to make completions downfield. And if Notre Dame struggled in 2018 to do that, when they had Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin, and Cole Komet on the roster, what the hell are they going to do now when they have this receiving core? So, I mean, that's just a really, really tough thing to think about. And I think or Clemson's not as good as they are are now as they were in 2018, but still, I mean, they got their work cut out for. And, I mean, we're looking forward to Clemson, but they obviously got to beat Pitt this weekend first and foremost. I couldn't agree with you more, Brian. I think a 2018 scenario would be just a replay this year. I think that they know they're smart enough. I mean, Brett Venables is a hell of a defensive coordinator. 
that guy knows what he's doing. Clemson is on a they're, – they're a different level. I mean, the way that they routed Georgia Tech on Saturday, that's something that you only see a team like Clemson do. It'll be interesting to definitely see how they come out against this Notre Dame team. That's why I think the passing game needs to be opened up now. Yeah, I mean, we're far past the point of the season where we need to shield what we're doing. We're getting kind of to the middle of this schedule. We got Pitt, Georgia Tech, and then Clemson. The Clemson game is – from all standards, by the time you'll be hearing this, you know, two and a half weeks away. So it's got to ramp up. It's got to get better. We need to be able to be more efficient with our drives and move the football. Because one thing that will get us down in a hurry against Clemson is three and outs and short drives. Because we know that our defense, regardless of how good they are, that offense is next to near impossible to stop. And you're going to have to be able to score some sort of points. But, I mean, other than that, like this past weekend, one game that we didn't get a chance to talk about again, too, was Alabama-Georgia. And that was a game where, you know, Georgia controlled the tempo for the entire first half. And then Bama just turned into Bama. And I don't think, if I'm being honest, I don't think Georgia scored the entire second half. So two versus three. That's how we're slotted at the three spot. Now, a lot of people, including myself, thought after the performance on Saturday that as long as the status quo remained, obviously with the Alabama-Georgia game, someone was going to have to lose that one, that we may have gotten jumped in the rankings. But for right now, even though it's still somewhat early in the season, they don't really matter. We are at three. And an important thing for this weekend is the Big Ten is back, boys. It starts on Friday. So... With them being back to play Ohio State specifically, we could see our ranking shuffle between the weeks, you know, regularly. Yeah, I think I think Ohio State moves to three right after they they win one game. I mean, especially with, with how unless Notre Dame beats Pitt by like forty and just really, really impresses people, Ohio State's just got more talent. Let's be realistic, they do. And they're gonna they're gonna move up ahead of Notre Dame. But I mean, who who cares? Um, if they if Notre Dame runs the table and beats who they have to beat, like we've said, maybe beats Clemson, who knows? They just beat who they have to beat, lose one game in the regular season, probably Clemson, and then you're just right there setting yourself up to ACC title showdown against Clemson, and that's really all that matters. Just got to control it. Notre Dame controls their own destiny this year. To touch on that, and I agree that I think Ohio State should jump Notre Dame in the rankings after one game, but... I think the if I remember correctly, the college football playoff committee said that they were doing their rankings based on who's played so far. So I think in terms of that, if they stick with that, I wouldn't put Ohio State over Notre Dame after one game. I think that one game against Nebraska, unless Ohio State comes out and wins 73 to nothing, I don't see which very well could happen, but I don't see that happening. I think just based on these, obviously Notre Dame's played more. Ohio State in one game, I don't think that they would get enough out of that. Wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame stays where they're at. They need to win, obviously. But the next couple of weeks will be important because the Big Ten will be getting back into full swing. Those teams like Ohio State will get better wins than Notre Dame will have so far. And that's why that win against Clemson comes important. And that's where the game against North Carolina two weeks later comes into play. Yeah, and for this week, I mean, there's a couple other games, you know, like we said, the Big Ten starts. North Carolina's playing NC State, and that team's kind of feisty. They're 4-1 and one on the season. They've played in a lot of tough games this year in the ACC, somehow still 4-1. and one. So we could, 
We could somehow get a prayer and a gift from NC State, but then that just moves NC State into their spot. And from my, I don't believe we play them this year, but they'll eventually die out. And then another ranked matchup this week, we have Iowa State and Oklahoma State in the Big 12, Michigan versus Minnesota in the Big 10. And then in the American Conference, probably the highest uh, ranked matchup in that conference's history, Cincinnati travels to Dallas to play SMU. So there are a lot of other good games on the palette, and then obviously some great unranked games. As far as this game goes, though, for Notre Dame, what would you guys like to see? I mean, barring any weather or climate like we had this weekend, I would like to see Notre Dame throw it with more success. I mean, it's obviously easy to say that with how bad they were against Louisville, but I mean, I think they, they at some point they got to do more than just hand it off to Kyron Williams 25 times a game and hope he runs for 150 yards behind the whole line. I mean, maybe that wins them every game this year, not named Clemson. I mean, it very well could, but I'm looking for them, especially against this Pittsburgh defense that is susceptible to um, throws in the air, like you guys have mentioned. I'm looking for Notre Dame to establish their presence and Ian Book to establish their presence through the air. And I really want one of Kevin Austin, Ben Skoranek, or Javon McKinley to actually look like a very good wideout. I mean, that Javon McKinley did against Florida State. I thought that was his coming out party. And then against Louisville, he dropped a lot of pa- passes that he, he should catch. So I want one of those three guys to actually look like a, a top-tier receive, receiver in the ACC. And I'm going to piggyback with Brian on that one. I mean, it's the same thing over and over. The defense steps up. The defense gets the job done week in and week out. The run game can't rely on it every week, but they continue to get their job done. Now we need to get the passing game. We need to get Ian Book more comfortable. We need to get him rolling. I agree with Brian. We need to get one of those guys on the outside to start being our wide receiver one. Be the big guy. Go up, make plays. That's what we need this week. Pittsburgh is a stingy defense. I mentioned it earlier, they are very good against the run. If this is a preview to what Clemson will do in two weeks, then this is what we need. Yeah, and actually that that leads me to my point. So in my opinion, it's kind of a ramp-up game for that secondary. Obviously, Kenny Pickett is not on the level of Trevor Lawrence, but this is an offense that's definitely trying to move the ball down the field. We're probably going to be in a lot of man looks, so there will be a lot of opportunity for DBs to get beat. We got to stay strong. We got to stay disciplined in our coverage and make sure that this team is not able to beat us with the deep ball, especially with the quality quarterback in Kenny Pickett. But as far as the numbers go for this game, the books have kind of figured Notre Dame out. Notre Dame is 10 and a half point favorites and the over under is 43 and a half points. So kind of from a margin of victory standpoint and the total points that have just kind of been happening in Notre Dame's games, that's where they're at. Ethan, you brought up a good point in Pitt. You know, having such a stingy defense, they're only allowing 61.5 yards on the ground. So... In this game, if the run is not working, which Pitt has proved that they can stop the run, we have to absolutely figure it out. So, like you guys have both stated, I stated with the DBs and kind of how that receiver room will react and the quality tight ends that you know that we have, such as Tommy Tremble and Michael Meyer, who was just named on the freshman uh, All-American watch list. So, fully expect him to cash that in and make that happen for this year with the projection that he's on. But for this weekend, who do you guys have for players of the game and predictions? I just wanted to add that, yes, 
Yes, Pittsburgh has given up only 60 yards a game, but they have not gone against an offensive line of Notre Dame's caliber and couple that with a speed backfield with Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams. So I, I do agree Notre Dame will not have as much success, but they're not going to hold up this offensive line to 60, 60 yards on the ground. That's not happening. As far as my prediction, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with 27 to 13 Notre Dame. Um, I think it's right around that. You said the over under was in the 40s. I think it. I think it, it's. A it was a uh, 43 and a half. Yeah, three and a half. So, so a little like bit six touchdowns and a field goal, I believe. Yeah. So I think Notre Dame gives up one touchdown. 13 is honestly the max I would um, foresee this defense giving up. I guess it depends if Pitts is playing. That that's that's kind of a big big deal. But that's my prediction: 27-13 Notre Dame wins. Offense. I'm. I mean, this is kind of a bogus pick, but I'm going to go with Kyron Williams. I unfortunately, I think Notre Dame hands it off to him another 26 times, and I mean that's probably going to win them the game. But it's really not going to do anything that we really want to see as far as the passing game making any improvements and defensively. I'm going to go with Isaiah Foskey. Um, Brian Kelly mentioned on his Monday press conference that Isaiah Foskey needs to get more playing time because the, the pass rush has kind of under been underwhelming so far. So I think he's going to play a lot, and I think he's going to wreak some havoc in that backfield for Pitt. For me, this is going to be the week of predictions. I'm going to go out, please. I hope I'm not wrong on this. Ian Book's going to throw two touchdowns. That's what I'm going to call this week. He's going to be my guy. I think that they're going to have to go to the pass. I think they're going to rely on the pass a lot more this week. They're going to get their first test of what a run-heavy defense is like. I think Pitt's going to give them a hard time with that. It's going to have to come down to Ian Book's arm this week, and they're going to have to rely on that, and they're going to have to get a good dose of that before they face a really good Clemson defense in a few weeks. For my defensive pick, I think I'm going to get an interception out of Nick McLeod this week. I think he's been it's been hot. He's been making plays, and he's a guy that stands out on that defensive side at the cornerback spot. This is a huge week, like Brandon said, for the secondary. Kenny Pickett or whoever's playing quarterback for Pitt, got to get after him with the front. They're going to be throwing balls up in the air, and we got to go after plays. And Nick McLeod's going to be that guy this week. And for the prediction, I'm going to go with uh, 30 to 10 Notre Dame wins. I feel like there's going to be some field goals. We've been struggling to score, so I feel like Jonathan Doerr is going to have some points this week. So. Um, I know I tweeted out he was an early MVP pick last week. I think he was uh, definitely a player of the game candidate for me. But ultimately, I think it comes down to uh, Notre Dame just finding that pass game. They end up getting some points through the air, and 30-10 to 10, Notre Dame wins. Yeah, so for me, in connection with what I said earlier, I think this is going to be a big Kyle Hamilton game. I think the DBs are going to get tested early and often this week. It's really going to be a... I would say a coming out party because I think this this defensive backfield is ready. I'm not going to go out and say a pick six, but I, on Bears on Tap, I called Cole Komet's first touchdown, which we haven't talked about. Our guy, Cole Komet, hauled in his first touchdown for the Chicago Bears against the Carolina Panthers this week. It was a dope moment. His mom was able to be out there at the game. It was the first game that Bears played in front of fans. But reeling it back in to get back to Notre Dame. I got Kyle Hamilton on defense. And then on offense, I think it's a Tommy Tremble game. I think this is a game where it could be kind of like a grinded out game. Like you said, Brian, like 27-13 is probably a pretty good score prediction. It's not going to be a lot of points as we've seen with this Notre Dame team. But I really do like the way that Tommy Tremble has been used in this offense this year. And he's just such an athletic and an athletic guy. And then he's such a hard tackle in space. 
there blocking, and he makes a difference on every play that he's out there on the field. And for my score prediction, I am going to go 28-17 to Notre Dame. Although I think 17 is a high number for this defense, I think we will have a little bit of a higher score. So in return, I think Pitt will also put up a little bit more points. But I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I think that, like Ethan stated earlier in the podcast, it could be somewhat of a preview game with the way that Pitt likes to air it out to what we'll see against Clemson. But do you guys have any wrap-up thoughts for, uh, for this episode? I do not. Go Irish. I just think we need to go out. Like I said, this needs to be Ian Book's game. They're going to need to rely on the pass. He's got to do it. He's got to be the man this week. After last week, I mean, he knows what he needs to do. He's a great leader in the locker room. I don't know. I know Brian Kelly does a good job at keeping them out of the media, but after a week like that, you got to feel that pressure. And, and a guy like Ian Book, who's been around the program, been around for years now, he knows what he needs to do to get it done. And I think this is the week that he kind of shows out and is the Ian book that we all know he can be. Yeah, and I'll say it like this, and Brian Kelly said it, you know, a couple weeks ago at, and during one of the halftimes. Don't be the nice guy. Go out there, step on their throat, put 100 points on them, break the scoreboard, do whatever we got to do because week in and week out, one of these ranked teams that is either ranked above us or around our ranking, like within a few rankings, has lost. And we have gotten lucky to squeak away with some of the victories that we've had specifically last week. But I think this is a Notre Dame team that has yet to really find their identity and they're continuing on that search. I think this could be a potential week that they find that passing game. Like we've all said, we just really hope that it happens out there on Saturday. Uh, Like we stated, game is at 2.30 if you're in, you know, the central time zone, 3.30 if you're out there in the eastern time zone. We got the ABC slot, so no NBC this week. We all have the Irish by at least two possessions, and we got nothing else for you guys. You can follow my co-host on Twitter at Brian Mishler and at Ethan Wiles. You can follow my tweets at BeatOn300, and then everything during the game, after the game, you can find all our podcasts and articles at ONTAP Sportsnet, and then you can find tweets during the game as well at ONTAP Irish. But we got nothing else for you. Thank you for tuning in, and go Irish.